was very combative afterwards, and then they've really been having some issues with that, but they finally um, got some of that taken care of, but now uh, he got pneumonia and then um, uh, has been struggling with heart failure and kidney failure over the last day and a half, and they uh, called the family in today, this afternoon, tonight, and uh, Tom said that, that he's hanging on, but... Uh, so you, you pray for them. I mean, they uh, if if uh, Chuck does pass away, that will be three close family members that they've lost this year. So in the last seven months. So you pray for the Franks, and uh, I know they would appreciate that. I I don't know if it's an emergency or anything, but I saw that Carol and and Nelson got up and headed out real quick too. So not sure. If, something serious went on there so just pray for them continue to pray for kevin um no infection continue to pray for that and uh continue to pray for dave and the healing of his ankle and foot and uh pray for todd simon um still laid up tonight so we just have a number of people that are really fighting some severe health issues so you keep praying for them, and, and we need to do that. And, and uh, we, we need to, um, we just really need to pray for each other that uh, we'll do the right thing. I, I saw a verse today in Proverbs 13, 15. It says, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. And so as I was preparing and and reading this, this passage over and over this week and, and giving thought to this. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, we, we have been looking at the life of David and, and his entire life so far up to this point. And by, by this, this time in his life, he's about 30 years old. So uh, he's, he's not very old, but uh, when, when he becomes king, he's uh, 30 years old. And that is getting ready to happen here, but the the last ten years or so have been um, pretty stressful on him. He had been anointed king and then had gone back and serving his his uh, dad in the in the sheepfold, and then uh, later on they had heard that he could play the harp, and so he came in and would play for uh, King Saul uh, during that period of time. Also, when he was probably an older teenager is when he faced Goliath, and so he had a real challenge there along the way. And then uh, since then, now about 10 years or so, he's been running from Saul and dealing with a psycho king that, that uh, uh, has, has been after him. And, and then we get to this point where Saul has now died. And, and we see that at that uh, uh, some some issues are going to come up here in the next couple of chapters, but you know, as I was as I was given given thought to this, and the way of the transgressor is hard, and and I I look at Saul's life, and and um, and, and we're even going to see something here a little bit later with his son Ishbosheth, and and uh, uh, see that in a moment too. But you know, you, you look at you look at Saul's life and how he could have had everything, and and. Uh, served the Lord and, and had the, the peace of God on his life and, and, and could have uh, 
had the blessings of God. I mean, here he is leading the, the nation of Israel, God's chosen nation, and, and God didn't want them to pick a king, but they did, and so he allowed them to, to pick a king, and they picked the one that he wanted them to have, and, and because he knew what Saul was going to do, but Saul didn't have to do that. He could have done the right thing and lived the right way and, and had God's blessings and power on his hand. And, on his life, but he, but he chose not to do that. And, and truly, his life was hard. And even though he was a king, we, we see that there was no enjoyment in the reign that he had. And for the most part, he was dealing with paranoia and delusions and, and always constantly chasing after one that he never could catch and, and was never going to catch and never able to defeat. And and then ultimately, he ends up losing the kingdom. And not only does he lose the kingdom, but he, he loses that kingdom for his entire family and, and loses his sons that uh, could have taken over. And, and then we, we see even uh, some of these other sons and what a, what, a, what a tragic mess it is. And, you know, but as I was thinking of that and giving thought to, to Saul and, and all these fights that was going on in his life and and then in that proverb, the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. And, and, you know, I just find that there are so often that even we as believers, we just choose a hard way when we don't have to. And, and, and we ought, to, we, we ought to, to prioritize things in our lives and, and, and truly make God first and foremost in our lives. And... You know, I have people come to me all the time and seeking counsel, and, and uh, you know, there, there's a, a generic answer that, that comes to most that we just need to put God first. Your, your, your problems that you have, you, you want to fix to these problems, and you think that, that you can go to some counselor, and they're, either they're going to give you a pill, or they're going to say that it's or, or they're going to say that there's something you can do to cure this and, and you can pop this little pill and all things are going to be okay. But ultimately, and, and not always, but most of the time we find out that, that, and I'm not talking about colds and I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about a lot of the, the physical issues that we're dealing with have stemmed from a spiritual problem and we're unwilling to deal with the spiritual problem. And we need to deal with the spiritual problem. And we need to do what's right. And we need to do what God tells us to do. And we need to live the way that God tells us to live. And we need to do it every day. And, and you know, and, and we, we, get, we give the counsel and, and yeah, I, I, I want this to be fixed in my life. I, I want to have victory over this habit. Or, or I want my marriage to be better. Well, you know what? Put God first in everything. Everything that you do. And you'll find that on, on your part of the marriage, that it will be better because you will be what you need to be and you'll be focused on being what it is that you need to be. But, oh, until we really want to get serious about that, there's really no help. And David is a good example of this. I mean, we, we see when, when David's heart is right, we see the, the path is much easier. Not easy, but it is easier. And we see that it's victorious. And we see God give him many things and use him in, in great ways. And, and, but we see that whenever he chooses the way of the transgressor, it becomes very hard. 
And, and you know, and as I was looking at this and giving thought, imagine the weight, and I know the grief that he's going to deal with, but imagine the weight that had to be off his shoulders when he finds out that Saul is dead. Oh, he didn't want that. He didn't. He didn't want that to be the case at all. But think about the weight that must have been off of his shoulders and, and now thinking, hey, I can, I can move on and, and do the right thing. But, you know, in this, we're going to see that, first of all, in the first six verses, that David was a principled man. Look at this. And, and, and we're going to see how he deals with some of these things. And hopefully we can use them in our own lives, too. Now, it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Malachites and David abode two days in Ziklag. It came even to pass on the third day that, behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul with a clothes rent and earth upon his head. And so it was when he came to David that he fell to the earth and did obeisance. And so he bowed to him as a king. And David said unto him, From whence comest thou? And he said unto him, Out of the camp of Israel am I escaped. And David, you know, just because he says it doesn't mean that all these things are true, okay? Uh, there, there are some liberals that want to say that this contradicts the story earlier. Were you ever given a thought that the Amalekite was a liar? And, and so, and, and here we know that he was a liar in the things that he's telling David. And, and, and uh, so he asked him, where, where, and he said, Out of the camp of Israel, I escaped. And David said unto him, How went the, ma- the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered that the people are fred, fled from the battle, and many of the people are also, also are fallen and dead, and Saul and Jonathan, his dead are, are his son, are dead also. David said unto the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan, his son, be dead? The young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And, and go all the way through verse 16. We're going to see he's a principled man in this. So here we have the story that this Amalekite is telling. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called me, and I answered, Here am I. He said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered, I am an Amalekite. We know this wasn't the case. It wasn't the case at all. His armor bearer was there. Saul had been wounded, and, and Saul told him, he said, I want you to kill me before they, they take me and... and uh, uh, dragged me around and abused me. And, and uh, he said, I want you to kill me. And the armor bearer said, I'm not going to do that. You're the king. I'm, I'm not going to touch the anointed. And, and so we know that Saul committed suicide. And, and all four times that you see suicide mentioned in the scripture, never was it any, for any good reason. But anyway, we see that Saul committed suicide and then his armor bearer committed suicide. And, and here he said that that uh, he asked him who he was, and he said, I'm an Amalekite, and he said unto me, Stand, I pray thee, upon me, and slay me, for anguish has come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he would not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head, and, and at that time the, the kings would, would, would wear a, a, a metallic cap that would cover the temples of their head, and, and uh, and it was one that the king would wear, and, and, I, and the, the bracelet that was on his arm, it was a, 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 an armlet that went above his elbow, and it was there uh, to, to show a sign of royalty, and so those that were fighting with him could know where he was at and knew who he was, and have brought them hither unto my Lord. 
Then David took hold on his clothes and rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they were fallen by the sword. And, you know, it goes on and, and it tells us that, that he asked the Amalekite, who do you think you are standing up and killing uh, God's anointed? And so he calls upon a young man to kill him and they smote him and he died. And David said unto him, thy blood be upon thy head for thy mouth have testified against thee saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. You know, the thing about David that never changed was his principles. David was one that he had had two different opportunities where he could have taken the head of Saul very easily and, and been done with that. But here we see that even in, even in all of the, some of the bad decisions that he made along the way and, and, and decisions he made in fear, decisions he made in carnality and, 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 uh, uh, and, and no trust and, and his faith was small, that we see that there were certain things that he never crossed. And, and here we see that, that he was willing to follow the Lord and, and wanted, and he'd even said earlier that, hey, I'm not going to kill Saul because God can do that, whether he kills him in battle or where he, whether he kills him in old age or, or whatever it is. God is the one that's going to do that, but I am not going to put my hand against God's anointed. And, and he lived by these principles that God had given him. And oh, how important it is that we also live by those principles and understand and, and realize that the principles that we have are right here in his word. And it's in his word that we ought to live and, and it's in his word that we take and, and understand what he tells us and, and, and live and be obedient to it. I find it interesting that later on when, when uh, the psalmist writes one night, Psalm 119 and believe that it was uh, David that wrote this, but look over here with me if you would to Psalm 119 and look at verse 65 through 72. Thou hast dwelt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged the lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. And then look at this one. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better under me, unto me than thousands of gold and silver. You know, as I was giving thought to this, and, and here, here was David, where finally there was a weight off of his shoulders, and, and, and now he can... He can become the king that God has anointed him to be. But, but you know, as, as he writes that in Psalm 119 and, and talks about the afflictions and, and, and he talks about the word of God and his commandments and how, how he's going to live according to those and, and trust and, and walk that way. And, you know, I ask myself, when I do that, do I do that? Do I allow the afflictions that come in my life to help me set up principles in my life and how I ought to live and how I need to trust him and how it's at that very time when I am really being tested, that's when I really need to trust in what God's word is and how I need to be obedient to that. And, and here he was a principled man and 
We need to have those principles set up in our own lives and those are principles that are never going to be crossed and those are principles that we're never going to go against, those convictions that we have and know and that make our character and make us who we are and take the stands that we take and, and continue to be that way and be a principled man. But then he goes on, and for time I have to hurry through this, but 17 through 27, we see that he praises the likes of King Saul. Now, he doesn't lie about him, but he does praise him for being the king of Israel. We see that he also praises Jonathan for being the friend that he had been. And, and, and here we see that I do believe that one of those, those uh, uh, characteristics of leadership characteristics that David had that, that, that brought such a passion from those that followed him was, was, was exactly these things where, where he, he was not one that was uh, uh, constantly trying to exalt himself and looking to help himself out, but he was one that was willing to, to give praise to others and, and oh, how we need to do the same thing, how, how we need to make sure that we're, we're not looking for the praise of men and that, that we're not looking to praise ourselves and, and allow God to do that and, and, and not be seeking these things. And, and it tells us in Proverbs 27 too, let, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. I'm reading through the scriptures. I do so every year, and I read through the Psalms twice a year. And, and look at, uh, if we want to praise anybody, let's praise God. Look at Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let, let's not only be a principled person, but let's also be one that's a praising person. Let, let's praise the one that truly does deserve all the praise. We deserve absolutely nothing but hell. But He saved us anyway. And so we praise Him. We don't need to seek the praise of others. We just need to continue to praise God. But then it goes on and it tells us in chapter 2, and it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord. One of, one of the first signs you see is somebody that's walking right with God. The first thing that they're going to do for direction is go to God. They're, they're not going to be looking at others and they're not going to be constantly just seeking the counsel of others. The first and foremost that they're going to seek counsel from is God himself. And oh, how we ought to be the same way. How we ought to be praying to God. How, how Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. He tells us in in uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, that, that we ought to go to Him in, in, in prayer and thanksgiving and, and, and praising Him and giving honor and glory to God and, and seeking Him and looking to Him and, and how we need to trust Him and, and take everything that we have to Him. And, and here we see that when David was walking right with God, that is exactly what he did. How we need to be principled, but we also need to praise, but we also need to be praying. And then he was proclaimed king. 
In verses 2 through 7, we see that it was there that God told him, I want you to go to Hebron. And, and Hebron was one of the main cities of the, uh, of the tribe of Judah. And so here David, he goes into Hebron. And, and Hebron also has the idea of uh, meaning fellowship and association. And so uh, here he is. He's one that's in fellowship with God. And, and it's here that he was proclaimed king over Judah. But oh, as we always know, as as he was proclaimed king, that God was constantly working in his life. And you know, I, I mentioned this last week, but, but a, a, a faith not tested is a faith not trusted. And it, and it reminds me that, that when God is testing you, do you realize that he does know that your faith is strong enough to come through this? And he wants you to know that. And he wants you to trust him. And he wants your faith to be, be, be stronger and stronger and trust him in the things that, that he wants you to trust him in. And so as you get tested, you trust him. And, and that faith that is tested is one that becomes trusted. You know, how many of us, if our life is just great and all is good and there's no testing, how can you ever trust it? Oh, how we need to understand that, that these trials that come, it is good that I'm afflicted so that I may know your commandments. How we need to understand. And, and so here he was tested and he was proclaimed king of Judah, but then we see the protesters here in the rest of this chapter too. And, but Abner, the son of Ner, and, and uh, uh, Abner was, was a dork, all right? He got what was coming to him a little bit later. But Abner, the son of Ner, cap the son of Ner. That sounds like some Star Wars thing or something, doesn't it? He's the son of Ner. Captain of Saul's host took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. You know this, I want to point this out. You think about Saul. And here he was, he had everything going for him. He had the God of Israel that would have been on his side. And it tells us that Ishbosheth must have been a, a little bit younger than many of his other sons. And so that's why he wasn't in battle. And so it tells us that he probably had this son when, when he was going through all of his, all of his issues where the, the Spirit of God had departed and the good Spirit, and now he was... Uh, bothered with the bad spirit, and and it was during that time that that he had this son, and he named him Ishbosheth, and and then you you read about Jewish history, and you find out that that uh, during this time that uh, many times that they they had uh, uh, changed the name, and and so the the first part of that Ish means son, and so then. Besheth, uh, I, I didn't write it down, but I, I think it was uh, 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 son of shame or something like that. But, but we find out that his name probably hadn't been called Ishbosheth. It had been changed by the Jews that his real name was Ishbael, son of Baal. And so now you start giving thought to Saul, and, and here in his anger mad at God because 
Saul was king, and Saul said, hey, I'm going to do everything my way, and I'm going to do things this way, and, and, and God, you just need to wink at me and say, hey, he's, he's God's anointed, and, and he can do this, and so I guess I'll just go ahead and bless him, and, and, I'm going to, and, and Saul's just going to be Saul, and, and Saul's going to do it this way, so I guess I, I just owe him my blessings, and, and I ought to do this, and well, we find out God is holy, God is righteous, and God says, Saul, I don't need you. And you don't need to be the king. And as a matter of fact, because of your rebellion, I am going to rip the kingdom out of your hands. And you're going to die. And not only are you going to lose the kingdom, but all of your generation is going to be wiped out. And so in all of this, and losing the kingdom, and and instead of repenting and and getting right with God, and, and doing it the way that God wanted him to go, he turns around, he has another kid, and shaking his fist at God, and he names him the son of Baal. The very king of Israel, shaking his hand at God, and thinking that that's going to be okay. The way of the transgressor is hard. And he saw that. And how we see that too. And how we need to realize and understand. Even David, a man after God's own heart, when David chose to do David's way instead of God's way, things were hard. Is that way for Saul and David? Why would it be any different for us today? It won't be. Trust me, it will not be. It is not. And all the counseling and all the things that I see going on in our society. And, and we see that the way of the transgressor is hard. And, and here we see him doing this. And then now we see Saul recorded in history for thousands of years now. Been recorded and, and dying in infamy. Sadness and shame for who he is. And so Abner being also a servant of Satan in this and Another test coming to David, he raises him up and makes him king. And then, I, I don't even need to spend time on it, but the, the rest of this chapter, we see that when, when, when God's way is right, God's way is perfect. And there is nothing, there is nothing that will stop what God wants done. And here, we see that Abner comes up and, and David is, is king of Judah and, and now Ishbosheth is king of Israel and, and, and oh hail the king. And, and we find out that Ishbosheth really wasn't even a king at all. He was just doing everything that Abner told him to do. We'll see that in chapter 3. And so, and, 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 but here we see that while David is king, and, and I don't believe that he knew about this, but Abner comes up and, and, and uh, he has his guys with him. And, and, and then we know that Joab, who is the right-hand man of David, who also, the way of the transgressor is hard, we find out that, that Joab is a brother-in-law to David. And so through all of this, we see, kind of makes a little more sense of the loyalty that, that maybe David had with Joab, even though Joab many times did Joab's way instead of doing it the way that God said, and, and instead of the way that David had told him to do it, he goes out and does that. Do you guys realize that Joab ends up losing his life 
whenever David dies, and, and David on his deathbed tells Solomon, you need to get rid of Joab. You need to take care of him. And so he had him killed as Joab ran into the temple or the tabernacle, and there he grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar. It was there that he was drug out and killed. The way of the transgressor is hard. We need to be a principled person. Our principles need to be based on what God's Word has to say. And as we listen to that and, and we read that and we allow that to mold us into who we are then, and, and, and we praise God for who He is and, and, we, and we're praying to Him and, and, and here as David was brought in as a king, we see that still he's protested against his kingdom and we need to understand that even when we are put in the place where we are exactly where God wants us at this time, that there are still going to be issues that come and there are still going to be trials that come and, and you find out that the stronger your faith and the more knowledge you have of the Scripture, the harder the trials because your faith will need to be tested. But oh, how we need to live according to the Word and know that God is on our side and when we are doing it right that there is nothing that can stop that from taking place. Here Abner and Joab show up with each other and they get in this little skirmish and and they end up getting in a fight, and they were just supposed to be jousting and, and uh, uh, you know, kind of a boxing match type of thing, you might say, and, and they ended up killing each other. And, and, and here we see that, that uh, it tells us that uh, at the end of this, um, uh, Joab, uh, his brother, ends up getting killed and, and uh, loses a brother through this, and, and through that, that we see him also sneak along later and, and uh, take out Abner and and, uh, but Abner in this one, he needed to realize that, that there is no hope for him in standing against God's plan because it tells us that Joab, David's men, that they lost 19 men and tells us that Abner lost 360 men. And so we need to realize that whatever the trial may be or whatever the test is in our life, that we need to do, we just need to do it God's way. And when we do it God's way, we have God's power, we have God's promises, we have His presence in our lives, and we can see things happen that are miraculous at times. So whatever it is that you're going through, whatever the trial, whatever the test, know that God is allowing that to happen because he knows that your faith can handle this and that what you need to do is quit fighting Him and start trusting Him and let your faith grow through the issue. What, whatever it is that He's doing in your life, you trust Him. And, and not only do you trust Him, but you obey Him. Obey Him. For all of us, let us obey Him. We want things to be right? Do it the right way. If you don't, the way of the transgressor is hard, and it will be. So let's live for him. Let's Look, we, we heard a powerful message on salvation this morning. And what do we owe him? What do we owe God? Absolutely everything. Without him, we have hell. With him, we have everything that is good, because God is good. 
everything, and I'm not talking about material things here, I'm talking about everything that makes God good is ours, ours today. Oh, what do we owe him? Everything. Let's praise him, but let's obey him. Let's live according to his word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray your blessings upon it. I pray you stir in our hearts tonight. Guide us home and use us throughout this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.